What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. It's me, ex-NFLer turned yogi, Eben Britton. It's excellent to be with you on this magnificent day we have before us. I hope this finds you standing in your power, living in your highest greatness for the greatest good of the universe. We need you. We need you now more than ever. So today's episode is another run with my blood brother, Augustus Britton. We dive deep into spirituality, death, God, our relationship to these things, how we really, we kick this episode off talking about how easy it is to be a spiritual person when things are going really well and how the universe tests you in your spirituality as things become more and more difficult. In this instance, I mean, obviously you can apply that to this entire past year with COVID, etc. And how you've handled that and dealing with the things that have come up. For me recently, I mean, I, I've, I've certainly dealt with my fair share of darkness throughout the last year, but most notably, a couple of weeks ago, we lost our beloved French bulldog, Sonny. It was a really tragic, um, devastating loss for our family. He was such a little beam of light, and using that as an exercise in this and the lessons learned from that experience, it was, it's layered. Sonny's death is layered in lessons. Uh, I'm still processing it, to be honest with you. Um, so we go into that. It's a really good episode. We we got into a lot of really deep, deep shit. And I think you guys will enjoy it. That's about it for the intro. Um, if you are interested in some fantastic fungi, the medicinal mushroom supplements that I love so much... Head over to wake.net, use code EBBENFLOW to get 10% off and free shipping on your next order. They've got lion's mane, reishi, turkey tail, cordyceps, comprehensive health blend. These mushrooms are fantastic for your immune system, for your cognitive function, your overall performance, and your total health and well-being. Very good. I don't take many supplements. I take medicinal mushrooms every single day, though. After that, hey, if you guys want to support me in this podcast, be sure to head over to patreon.com forward slash EDS Britain. All of this will be in the show description. I greatly appreciate your support. Obviously, as always, you can support this show by subscribing to it, rating it, reviewing it, sharing it with your friends and family. But now I am open for support contributions on Patreon. And you're, I can't thank you enough. You guys are the best. Um, the reason I do all of this is to put some light and positivity into the world to help people live in their highest greatness. That's my intention with everything I do. And I appreciate you guys immensely. So thank you so much. Without further ado, this is your episode of The Ebb and Flow. Lots of love to you all. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. 
The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux. Only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come. Testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. What's up, everybody? We are rolling. It's the Ebb and Flow podcast. Great to be with you all. It is a stealth mission here with my brother from my mother, Augustus Britton. Gus, it's great to be with you again. Hey, everybody. It's good to be here. Thanks, Eb. We're in your room here, your little apartment. Yes. Got Hemingway on the wall looking off into the distance. Yep. Got Osho in the back. Mm -hmm. The crystal skull on the desk. Got our tea. Jesus. Jesus on the cross. Dad's painting. Interesting times, man. Heavy times. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's easy to be super spiritual when things are going good. Oh, God. <laughs> it's really a test of your spirituality and your relationship with God when shit really starts to pop off, when life really starts to happen. Yeah. Because anyone can be positive and talk about faith and trust and letting go when everything's just working well yeah but the universe really tests all that shit when things start to when life starts to happen yeah yeah i was literally i just had that today i had an experience of that today I mean, that's kind of like, uh, <laughs> that's kind of an overarching experience these days in a way. But I had an experience today where somebody said something to me that was insulting and not very kind. And it's fine. It's where they are. It's what they needed to say. It's how they needed to express themselves. But they said it just before I was going to do, going to sit in my meditation. So I had this thing, this experience where I was like, oh, this is where it's really amazing to practice meditating when the heart is beating fast and heavy. Mm. And I sat with this person in my heart. I sat with them. I wanted to say, fuck you. Mm. I wanted to say, who do you think you are? I wanted to say, why would you say that? I wanted to, I wanted to say can't you just let me be 
I'm doing the best I can just like you are. But that wasn't going to do anything. But I, but I sat with the really, you know, that like that really visceral discomfort, Mm. that fight or flight that's like in your chest. Yeah. It's in your heart. It's like a really interesting chemical heart space deal going on. Yeah, I know it. I've been there. That's an amazing thing you just said. Because coming into meditation from the acculturated Western perspective, you think that meditation is this fucking sit and get peaceful or I have to sit and be peaceful or you know my whole body has to be calm and the environment has to be perfect and it's got to be quiet Mm. so quiet I can't hear a peep Mm. if I hear a peep it's going to throw me completely out of my meditative state And really meditation is a practice of constantly coming back to center, no matter what's happening. In my meditation practice lately, because we want to get to a point, the point of meditation, if there is a point other than to enjoy it, The point of meditation is to show you how to be in life. You're you're facing a fire-breathing dragon. You're in front of a person or confronted by a situation that is throwing your nervous system into fight or flight. Do you have the presence, the resilience the emotional flexibility to come right back into center to not be in a place of reactivity, of mechanized reactivity. So my meditation practice has been exactly what you're talking about. In the morning, I wake up drink some water, I go outside, I do this quick stretching routine, I do my breath work routine, I do some body weight movements to get the blood flowing. I come in and I sit and I meditate. And my meditation practice has literally been to get into exactly where I'm at. Not try to like get peaceful. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Just go, okay, here I am. Here I am. My neck is fucking tense as fuck. All right, let it be there. Just breathe into it. Let it be there. My heart's racing. Okay, let it be there. Rage is bubbling. Okay, let it be there. There it is. There it is. It was interesting watching that Ram Dass documentary, and I don't want to dive too far deep into it at this moment, but we could talk about it, but... It was interesting to hear how much he dealt, has dealt with anger. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never heard him talk about that that much. But it feels like anger was a big part of his 
was a big teacher for him throughout his life mm-hmm. in various ways. Yeah. And for me, I started this podcast this way. You really have a test of your spirituality because last week we suffered a massive tragedy when we lost our beloved French bulldog, Sonny. Mm-hmm. And it was maybe the most heartbreaking experience of my life. And uh, there were so many lessons wrapped in it. And it has, it has and is continuing to just absolutely transform me. Take me deeper into my relationship with God, deeper into truth. Sonny went in for this surgery. I didn't feel good about it. As a French bulldog, they're a high risk for any surgery where they're put under. The breeder said, if you're going to do any surgery on him, you should go to someone who is well-versed and experienced with French bulldogs. But it felt like, you know, it felt like the next step for our family in certain ways. So we had this surgery and I didn't voice all of my bad sensations around it. And we said a prayer and a blessing over him the morning of the surgery. I asked God to protect him, to take care of him. He went out the door with his ears pinned back, his head held high, and his chest puffed out, super proud and joyous, the beam of light that he is in the world. And God chose to take him, take him home, bring him back, bring him back. And I was filled with rage at myself. Filled with rage at the vet. Filled with rage at my wife. Because he was about two. Felt way too early. He was so special. But, you know, looking back... The rage I felt and that I expressed in the moment of his passing was really about myself. And it was a massive lesson in trusting my intuition and speaking my truth. It was a massive lesson in giving it up to God and surrendering to God's will. It was a massive lesson in the beauty of life too because he was such a pure he was the literal physical embodiment of pure joy 
His name was Sonny. He was a beam of sunlight. Anywhere he went, he you couldn't help but smile when you saw this little guy. It was absolutely heartbreaking, devastating, tragic. And it's a massive test of all of this stuff that I always talk about. And I'm still processing it. I mean, it's been really difficult and hard on our family. Um, and my wife and I's relationship. And I've had to apologize to her and still, you know, continue to apologize to her because it wasn't exactly fair. But you know, death is the flip side of this life coin. And we went on a hike the next day and you said that you talked to Jeff, the who is a family friend, I guess you could say. I've never met Jeff, but um I would I guess we'd call him a family friend and he's also a pretty pretty renowned meditation teacher spiritual figure yeah yeah and i thought what he said to you about it was so powerful and really resonated with me was that you know this was his last this was sonny's last incarnation as a dog and he was moving on to the next phase <laughs> yeah you know, looking back at my life, my whole life, everything in my life, the moments of pure joy and happiness were embodied in this dog. That's what this dog was. I would lie down on the bed and he would hop on the bed and curl up right in my armpit. And he would just rest his head there. And it's really, you know, it's really about things beyond our understanding. You know, God has a purpose. If you spend the whole day praying and asking God to protect this this animal as it goes through this thing, and God decides that it's time to bring the dog home, what are you to say? Fuck you, God. I pray every day. All I do is talk to God literally every day. That's all I do. You know, everything I do, I'm just talking to the unseen realms around me. Mm -hmm. And then like you said so beautifully in your, in the piece you wrote about him, which I so appreciate Gus, you, you know, you said is, is spirituality is a relationship with God. Like you're standing at the buffet line and it's like, I'll have that, but not that. I'll take this, but not that. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Mm. And really what it's done is I've been so... It's driven me down deep into my truth and my purpose. Mm. Even more so than I've ever really experienced. 
And it's not really, you know, there's always the cliche thing of, I think, after death, especially in the in the Western ethos of after death, it reminds you how little time you have. And I suppose there's an element of that. But I've never really looked at my life as being subject to the amount of time I have left. But the whole metaphysical atmosphere around this situation has shown me, Ebb, trust yourself, know yourself, know your truth, be your truth, speak your truth, live your truth. There is no other way. There is nothing else. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't even I don't even think it's about it making sense or not. Right. It's just Yeah. It's just um You know, I feel like what you're saying is beyond sense. It's just honest. Mm. You know, it's not it's not in that it's not in that category, you know. And but, you know, something I would uh You mentioned do I go around and say fuck you god and we had a we had a bit of a conversation about this and something that happened to me with sunny and we had a we had a lot of conversation or talk or deep talk around a situation like this either bringing us closer to god or pushing us farther away from god and we have decided um, there isn't really the option to move farther away from God. Because that, to me, just seems like death. Right. Which is funny to say it seems like death when we're talking about how valuable death can be. But it seems like a, a spirit death as opposed to a physical death. Like a spirit death is like, oh, that's really... That's kind of the bottom, but but what I want to but I, what I want to touch on is um, wait I think I, I want you to finish what you're saying, but I also and we could come back and answer this question, uh-huh. but I think it's important to make it clear what does it mean to move f- to have a situation like this take you farther away from God. To me, I know what it means uh, intuitively for me. I don't really have. Uh, I would go. I would go deeper into the physical. I would go deeper into the separateness. Mm. I would go, and by the physical, I mean sex, drugs, material, this, that, distraction. Mm. And by the separateness, I would say, "Fuck you! You're not. It's not we. It's me now. N- never mind. None of this is." None of this is um, non-dual. None of this is connected. So that's what it means for me. And I, can't, and I more so intuitively know what it means. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. As you say that, I think you're, you're right on. That's it. I mean, basically, it's a complete dismissal of the higher dimensions of reality 
It's a dismissal of the energy that moves through all things. Or an attempt at severing it. Because at the end of the day, you can't really disconnect from God. You know, as much as you might want to. Right. Like, what would that look like? Just a, a, a severing of faith? Well, see, now, now I think the problem for people like us, and I use that humbly, I say that humbly, is the aspect of once you awake, you can't go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the issue. So it's like we would be doing this self-inflicted rejection of God. You know, when you're unconscious, you're not even considering God. The more conscious you get, I believe that the closer you get to God. Mm. It's really interesting you say this. I was writing about this earlier earlier today in that up until my last year in Jacksonville with the Jaguars I was a super confident perhaps even arrogant and entitled hard working proud young man Mm -hmm. up until your last year in Jacksonville you said? yeah where I was benched and I was completely destroyed. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Right, right. I'd been beat to shit physically, worked my ass off to get back, but then the benching was really the metaphysical destruction of myself entirely. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with Glenn Parker uh, last month. You can go back and check out that episode. We actually talk a little bit about this, but he mentioned, he said, Eb, you know, I talked to you on the phone after that, after you got benched and my wife and I were actually really worried about you because it sounded like you had really use, cause he said, I said to him that it destroyed me and he was like, that's how you sounded. Mm. And coming out of my football career, I was completely obliterated. And with that, my confidence was completely obliterated. And my faith and my trust in myself. But what I was writing about today was that that confidence and that trust and that faith I had in myself back then was so flimsy uh-huh. because it was all on me. Right. My whole life was on me. Now I've come back into this really profound confidence mm-hmm. that's being cultivated and growing even mm-hmm. more and more by the day. The difference now between this confidence and this truth and this faith that I feel in myself now is it's really all about my connection with God. It's not just on me. This is about me and God. Mm-hmm. My faith, my trust, my confidence in myself is rooted in my relationship with God. And I think that is a distinguishing factor in this conversation of the the idea of once you wake up, you can never go back to sleep, first of all. And if you haven't, gone through something that has awakened you into your deeper self 
your sense of confidence and purpose and well-being and truth and faith is laying on really flimsy ground. It's yeah. like you're walking on ice. You're yeah. walking on a, on ice. Yeah. And it's only a matter of time. One wrong move and that shit's going to crack and break. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and once you're rooted in the almighty power that moves your life, that you are a particle of, you become, you start to cultivate this unshakable foundation of faith and truth. Yeah. And it's interesting to use all this language because I hear so myself, I write yeah. it, when I write it out, I know. Because <laughs> I've started a Patreon page and I did this post on Sunday that was a check-in and I mentioned Sonny and I, and I wrote, wrote about it a little bit and I, <laughs> I talked a lot about my relationship with God and reading it, I'm like, Christ, Christ, yeah. <laughs> here I am and I sound like a religious fanatic in yeah. a way, yeah. but you know, it's not, this isn't a religiosity thing. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that's just the the Western concern. Right. And you know, I've ha I've been having that experience lately too, where I'm going around and I'm like, Wow, God, God, God. Am I really <laughs> saying God this much? What's yeah. going on here? But I believe that it's a it's a um I was going to say product, which is kind of funny because it's sort of the opposite of that. But it's a um, product, if you will, of our yearning and our knowing that whatever the material culture is, isn't enough. It's not satisfying enough. It's not deep enough. And I think this goes into everybody, I believe, the more I observe, has a story about how they find God, how they find connection. And they have a chronology, as you had mentioned, this thing needs to happen to you so you get there and there and there. This is such a vast conversation. Because there's so many different sort of cultural realms we could go into and spells and um, mm. impressions. But so that's one conversation. But I want to I wanted to say something about what the experience with Sonny had did for me. Yes. In my prayer with God, because you had mentioned, OK, so now do I say, fuck you, God? Right. That's OK. Mm. I had this really wild experience three or four days ago where, and this was spurned on by Jeff because Jeff had told me this story about how one of his teachers had died and he felt like he wasn't given the opportunity. And I, and I believe this is fine. I, I can share this. He didn't feel like he was given the opportunity to communicate with his teacher before he died. And he and, like for 30 days, a prayer was just all he could say was fuck you to God. And that and he said, you know, it it uh, dissolved and he got back to the love. 
But I took that, and that was kind of all I could say. And it felt like the most honest prayer I've ever done. And I had all these feelings about like being afraid to speak to God that way. Mm. I had these feelings like if I say fuck you to God, God's going to do something bad to me. But it really deepened my relationship in that, oh no, I can be as honest as possible Mm. with God. Mm. And that's what's really going to set me free Mm -hmm. and I was sitting there I was like I've been saying all of these prayers like please you know thank you like you know like soft like and I was just like and then I got real with it yeah and I was like oh this is so much more honest and there's so much more integrity here because if God is infinite which God is, there's no judgment. It's beyond that. There's none, there's none of that involved. Mm-hmm. That's not what that relationship is. Mm-hmm. I can tell anything to God. Yeah. I can express anything, and I believe that God appreciates honesty. That's all, I mean, that is God. Yeah. Isn't it? Right, <laughs> right. We spend so much time denying our humanity. So I had a I had an incredible experience with that. That was really, really powerful. And you know what? If Sonny, if part of his purpose was to give us that, mm-hmm. that could ripple out into so many hearts oh, yeah. to grow and give love. And that was a seed from Sonny's death that flowered into that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting and profound. There was something Ramdas said in that documentary because we watched that documentary the night you know, the night after. And uh Ramdas said something super profound where he said that this guru he was talking to said, Ramdas, you're going around spending so much time trying to be holy. Why don't you just try to be human? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it's like, and everybody laughs. It's just like, no shit. Oh, man. No fucking shit. But then he said, didn't he say it's an interesting balance to do that with the holiness and the humanity? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because then he talks about in there how for a long time he, he, he was, he was like, I'm really angry. And I've spent all this time going around, like looking at people going, yes, <laughs> Yes, I'm spiritual. And, and, I'm and Inside, he's like, this fucking guy. Like, <laughs> I'm so fucking sick of this. Right, right. <laughs> and so he said for a time, he just started going, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he just sort of expressed his humanity in that way. 
Ja. And you know, if we don't have our truth, I was having a really deep conversation with Alan on the drive home from Montana. And and we ventured, we veered into this this really heavy political conversation where he was arguing that if he were, <laughs> he was arguing in the case of a dictatorship and I was saying how a dictatorship inevitably leads into a tyrannical system. But what he was looking back, what he was really talking about was being a philosopher king, someone who was highly evolved consciously, who would make executive decisions for the the population, mm-hmm. which actually makes sense because uh, Plato, who is really Plato and Socrates really founded the 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 concept of democracy. And democracy and Plato's vision of democracy was that there would be a philosopher king. It's like the Platonist, the Platonic view, interestingly enough, is is that communities, states, countries should be led by philosopher kings. And because my feeling is that people should be free to express their truth. But then he goes, so then you think people should just be able to run around and murder each other? And I say, no, of course not. And I believe that laws are laws can be very helpful and regulations can be helpful. Now, that being said, I believe that if people are allowed to process their humanity in a functional way, there wouldn't be any murdering. There wouldn't be any killing. Hmm. In tribal in tribal scenarios, there was very little intertribal crime, murder, stealing, etc. Because there's a a spiritual code of how things move and function. And if you did do something, killed somebody, fucked another person's partner, stole, you would be exiled mm-hmm. or killed. Mm-hmm. Um. And we're really venturing into, we, we've been venturing, in the Western culture, we've been venturing into this place of taboo for quite some time now. All the great thinkers, philosophers over the last hundred plus years have been talking about the, the pitfalls of a culture where things are made to be taboo and unacceptable. Sexuality our animal, our more primal instincts of rage, etc. Um, which I think is, is counterproductive to the human condition and the human evolution, really. And especially now in cancel culture, etc. Now that doesn't mean I don't think people should experience consequences for their behavior. I think there's a line drawn of... Expressing your truth and harming others. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
But that being said, dude, you know, the bigger picture here, we have a really dysfunctional relationship with death. Deeply. It's much easier in our culture. Deeply. I was thinking about this the other day. Mm-hmm. Much of our culture lives in this in this state of victimhood, mm-hmm. which is actually natural because for the human mind who's trapped in identity and ego, it's much safer and easier to play the victim role than it is to take accountability and responsibility for your life. Right. Because if you play the victim role, that cements you, galvanizes you, roots you deeper into your identity and your ego of who you are. Yeah. Because you can always go, it's that person's fault. I'm me. I'm just here doing me, but it's their fault. Which inhibits the the spiritual growth of an individual. Yeah. Well, I got this uh, Socrates quote last night, actually. Interesting. Where he of course to, you did. He would go to the marketplace, and his students says, "Why are you, students would say to him, why are you always going to the marketplace?" And he said, "I like to go to the marketplace to see all the things I'm happy without." Hmm. And then um, Gandhi would take one day out of the week, every week, and be silent. Mm. I think this identity and this ego, we're not allowed to listen to anything. You know... The, the, like, what culture provides in art, technology, etc. is beautiful, but it doesn't allow us to hear how we're really feeling. And the less intelligent we get, the less spiritual we get, the more deranged all the noise gets. So I think there's something to be said for actually listening, which brings me back to meditation, because when we listen, we can hear our hearts and we can hear what's really going on and really how we feel. Mm. And I mean, I've been observing the deep, deep, heavy, unquenchable identity crisis we're in nowadays where it's you have to have the biggest identity possible and I know that something like social media is important because it gives people a platform and some people can offer peace, love, hope, faith positivity but I think there's a really intense trap of separateness in it where we become so addicted and heavily motivated by building this exterior identity 
of who we are, who we think we are on the outside. And it's become this really powerful outside-in game, which I think is extremely dicey moving forward, which is why it's so important to have people that continue to promote meditation and silence and healthy communication. And I believe that's a process. My question to you, I recently read Power of Now. He published it in 1999. It really took off in 2014. And something he talks about throughout the book, he says this a lot where he says, I predict... I don't know if he uses the word predict, but he says, I predict there's going to be way more enlightened people soon. Mm. He says, I predict in the future, there's going to be a lot more people that are going to be finding consciousness. Mm. Now, I believe that's true to a degree, but this is more of a question. Also, for instance... I watched this Jack Cornfield talk last night. Jack Cornfield is a spiritual leader. He brought Vipassana, Buddhist meditation, insight meditation. Vipassana translates to insight. Insight meditation to America. Mm. And I was watching this talk with him last night. And Which I is silent meditation, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's silent. a silent retreat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. I'm not super learned in it, but... Powerful. Very powerful that he worked with Ramdas. He's he works with the he's worked with the Dalai Lama. He has uh, this uh, place called Spirit Rock up in uh, Northern California, which is a meditation Zen. I believe it's a Zen meditation center mm. or Buddhist Buddhist meditation center. But and I you know he's he's global, so he has a really deep presence. But there were a thousand people watching on the Zoom Dharma talk he was giving last night. This was a live Zoom call you This is last night, yeah, yeah. Fuck, dude. How'd you I get know. on Well, that? he has more, so he has them coming up. I'll mm. send you the links. But And I was just thinking, a thousand people? I mean, listen, one is enough to get this information, Ed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on that note, do you... Because f- I sort of felt like a thousand, man fucking five billion should be watching this Mm -hmm. he's 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 giving amazing wisdom to live a a a life of loving kindness and open-heartedness what do you feel what's your feeling on that Mm. are people moving forward openly are there enough people is there too much saturation of the the darkness i know you have this theory from right of way or um, right use of will <laughs> about um, the dark energy. I don't know if this is where you want to go, but I'm just curious what your thoughts on that are. I love this direction, dude. First of all, have you read Power Verse Force? I listened to it. Yeah, yeah, I know it. You listened to yeah, it? Yeah. Well, in there, he talks about how most of the world's population is living at a consciousness level of fear. Right. Fear-based thinking. Mm-hmm. Go outside. If you're living in Los Angeles, 
Look around. You can see the fear. People are wearing it on their faces. Most people, seven out of 10, I would say. And it goes even beyond that. Most of the world is living in a state of complete fear. Now he talks about how the small portion of people who are living at a level of courage and higher, the metaphysical spiritual weight of living in that higher state of consciousness is so powerful that it counterbalances the majority of people who are living in a state of fear to such an extent that it rises the mean level of consciousness to just above the level of that's going into a strong a strength based a a light positive based mindset mm. and the numbers are are kind of like mind-blowingly small mm-hmm. I mean, say there's seven billion people yeah and he'll say you know one million people are living in a state and the and his his ladder of consciousness goes from zero which is your dead to a thousand which is pure enlightenment Mm. and people living at a level of like 400 and above 200 is where you get to the level of courage and that level is super important because right there at the level of 200 200 level of consciousness and he's mapped this out through these kinesiological testing techniques that he's applied it's a fascinating book. You guys have probably heard me talk about it. I did a whole podcast on it. You should go back and listen to that if you haven't already. And I highly recommend you read the book to get the specifics of this. But le- living at a level of 200 is where you get to that point in your life where you start taking responsibility. You have the courage to take responsibility for your life. Mm-hmm. Super important. He talks about how some of the spiritual leaders, they're living at a level of like 500 above. Gandhi was in there at like 700. The Dalai Lama's in there in the seven to eight hundreds. Christ was a thousand. Yeah. Buddha was a yeah. thousand. Yeah. 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 The, the spiritual, the ascended masters are up there at a thousand. But their presence is so powerful. Even the ones who have died and passed on and moved on into the ethereal realm and maybe been reincarnated as other beings, etc. Their presence is so powerful that it sends these massive waves through the universe that raise the level of consciousness. Right. (laughs) So when you say a thousand people are watching this talk given by this guy who's a Mm. spiritual beacon, that's a shitload. I love that. The spiritual weight of that. So true. Because think about, Mm. think about how many people you come into contact with on a daily basis, on a weekly basis in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. You walking around Gus And I would venture to say you're probably living at a pretty high level of consciousness. Honestly, you know, 200 is courage. I wish I had the map to to show, but, you know, 200 is courage. 300 is like awareness or something. Yeah, awareness and it goes compassion, joy, joy, you know, and it, it just keeps going up. Um. So that's super powerful because the, like I said, that the, the weight of the immensity of that 
light that people are perpetuating, each one of those thousand people is going out and affecting thousands more people. Yeah, that's that's great. So there's that. Very important. Good. Uh, nice. Yeah, that's a great point. Then, so then to the question of do I think there's people awakened conscious souls i would say yes dude it's been really interesting between my experience on hot boxing which that whole show was a, just a pure god shot you know it's obviously and I'm not saying this just because I left, because I was kind of hopeful that it would stay in the vein that we had put it into. But that show was bringing a lot of people to peace. A lot of important people in this realm. Because the people who watch that show were mainly men ages 18 to 50 years old who are, for the most part, I would say, if I had to guess, very masculine individuals who were in dire need of being shown that they were allowed to be vulnerable And they were allowed to express their deepest truth. Mm -hmm. That's what that show did. From that show to my Instagram. You know, I've got like 37,000 followers. I get messages all the time. I'm blown away at at where people are at. In a good way. Mm -hmm. Like people are fucking tapped in, man. Yeah. People are thinking about these things. Good. But you know, the truth is, man, like you get to a point and most people, COVID has thrust us into this new dimension. There's nowhere to go at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Buy more shit? Right. Right. What are you going to do? Go fuck some more people? Yeah. Eat some more food? beautiful. Beautiful. Drink more alcohol? Like you get to a point where you're staring up at a fucking thousand foot wall yeah. going, I got nowhere else to go. The things that used to help me escape and get out of this fucking pain and this, this, whatever it is that I'm feeling that I'm trying to avoid, it's not working anymore. In fact, the escape valve has turned into the fucking amplifier. Yeah. Cause now I go and I hit the fucking pipe I fucking stick my dick into the thing. I do this. I take another swig of alcohol. I hurt somebody else. And man, I feel worse. It's not that the problem was the problem. The solution was the problem. Right. (laughs) And you, you wake up one day and you go, it's not working anymore. <laughs> I got to do something else. I've seen you make this face. The viewers can't see your face. <laughs> hey, I have an acronym for God. Let's hear it. Give it to me. Give it to us, dude. Right. What the fuck? Yeah. Grow or die. 
Woo! That's a great one. Dude, I my Grow the or bo- die. The bottom for me is that. Grow or die. Yeah. I'm either gonna do this and I'm fucked. <laughs> and I'm gonna die. I'm going to die. I mean, I'm gonna die anyway, but like in in this yes. form, yes. in this form, uh-huh. it's grow or die. It's beautiful, dude. So true. It's so poignant. I think a lot of people are getting there, man. A lot of people are getting there. All of this shit you see. You're so man. right. You're so right about COVID. COVID has just been an incredible spiritual. God shot. You know, and we're even settling into this normalcy with fucking COVID. Yeah. That's that's the the fascinating mechanism of the human mind. We're literally settling into the into this as the this as with a sense of normalcy. Are you saying this positively or I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. It just is, you know, and you're going to go, you're going to fucking get on with life one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things that Ram Dass says, Mm -hmm. and I go back to Ram Dass. Ram Dass is one of my teachers. Ram Dass, Alan Watts, Osho. Yeah. They're really people that I have found a ton of healing in. Mm-hmm. And Ramdas talks about how your awareness is like the sky. It's always there. It's just there. You open your eyes and you're there. And yeah, clouds might come, storms come in, sunlight comes in, rain comes in, wind comes in, but the sky, it's just always there. It's always there. There's no turning it off. And there's really no outrunning yourself. (laughs) You know, there's no outrunning yourself. I don't know what life is going to look like, but I know what my life is going to be like. You know, I don't know what this world is going to look like. Because look, if you're one of those people, I'm blown away. First of all, I'm blown away if you're you're still riding with me and listening to my podcast. If you're one of those people who has full faith in the government or corporations or big technology or any of this shit if you believe that the censorship of conservative voices is a good thing in the grand scheme of uh the free speech ethos that we've all grown up believing is is an american god-given right a human god-given right fuck american then i don't i don't know what you're doing listening to me and and beautiful if you are I, good God, I, I commend you in this atmosphere to be able to sit and listen to contrary contrary thought. I commend you. But honestly, there's no there's no 
humanity in that, as far as I can tell. And look, man, I, I'm I'm somebody. I'm constantly going. Eh, maybe you're wrong. <laughs> what do I know? What do I know? I know nothing. <laughs> what do I know? These things that are really triggering for me. What the fuck do I know? Yeah. Maybe I'm completely wrong. You might just be insane. I might be completely insane. But they're listening, as Ramdas said. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're here listening. So, hey, you know, I don't, Ram I don't know. I mean, I love that Ramdas. I, I heard him saying a talk. You know, yeah. I might just have full blown psychosis, but you bought the forty dollar ticket. Yeah, exactly. You're here so who's really listening. insane? Hey, I've I have a question on that note. The California Texas dilemma. What's this that? is really interesting to me. This whole thing is really... What is that? Well, <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> you know what it is. I just need to explain okay. why, I, why I called it that. Mm-hmm. Um, this thing of escaping. This thing of going somewhere to set yourself free, but you're still where you were when you were back in the place. You mean the exodus from California? Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like part of me understands like there's existential stuff where you're like, oh, no, they they might make me get the vaccine. Taxes are this. There's this going on, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of the bodhisattva being in the marketplace, the monk that's setting himself on fire during meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, you're still in the same heart when you move away. It's yeah. like this whole thing of, do I need to go to the Himalayas to find enlightenment? Right. It's never worked that way. Yeah. I was saying that. Why are this... the monks in, in the Himalayas still meditating? <laughs> you know, so this is an interesting thing to me of. This is the truth. Wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. Wherever you go, there you are. Exactly. Now, this comes back to something else. It's an interesting thing, right? Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference him again. Maybe you get tired of hearing this, but I think he's a great... He's a great litmus test or a great sort of um, yardstick for these spiritual dilemmas. I don't know why. I mean, from the time I was a little kid, all I wanted to know was, what is this all about? Yeah. What are we doing here? What I the sh- fuck are we doing I here? I share that with you. I share that question. I share that. All of this shit moving around in my in my being, in my mind, uh, all of this shit. What is it, man? Mm-hmm. But Ram Dass said this really beautiful thing. He said, at the end of the day, I'm I'm coming to terms with all of it. My role as an American, my role as a Jew... My role as this, you know, former psychology, psychologist, like I'm come, all of that is part of this journey. So for me, the former NFL player, the fucking, you know, the fucking maniac, the wild man, the, the guru, the Zen master, all this shit that's inside of me. It's all part of the thing. The anger, the fucking rage, 
the grief, the darkness, the light, it's all in here moving around and it's all part of this thing. Even living in California, a state run by a governor who's a fucking, for all intents and purposes in this third dimensional reality that we find ourselves in a fucking scumbag criminal. It's all there. So what does that mean? How do I rectify that in my doing the dance of my spiritual truth, my human truth, and my truth of where I find myself in this world? Because I felt that, dude. Like, I want to get out of California. Mm -hmm. I'm weirded out by the fucking, the strange... Uh, and and look you know and I, I have to qualify this because this starts to venture into this political discussion and i'm not a political guy but there's been something very strange revealed about the liberal ethos that disturbs me because while it's this it's this pumping of the fist righteousness about compassion and accepting and allowing everyone to be the underlying current of it is if you don't think like this we do not accept you yeah that's a problem so it's completely hypocritical and turns back on itself and that's not saying that is not to be misconstrued that the but then you say that and you get labeled, oh, you're a Trumper. Oh, you're a conservative. Right, right. Or some sort of supremacist, which is not I don't even, what I don't, that is. I don't and, I even identify myself as a white person. I don't even identify, my, you know, it, and it's just, it's a very interesting thing, man. It's a very interesting thing. And what I, I find... The more I just dance with it, yeah, is that your life is what you make it. Your life is what you create. Well, it's this paradox of if you're if you're protesting with anger, you're just part of that paradigm of anger. Right. You're just playing that role. Anger only begets more anger. What do you think is going to happen? AOC, whoever it is, when you start telling people that they're not allowed to think a certain way, you think people are going to go, oh, okay. People are going to go, fuck you. I'll think however the fuck I want to think. Yeah. It's power versus force. When people are forced, when there is a force created, when people come from a place of force, it immediately creates a resistance. And friction and tension. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, in it's unsustainable. But when you come yeah. from a place that's rooted in a universal power, things just fall into place. Compassion, love, truth. Well, see the whole pro- the whole protestation thing is grounded in us and them, mm-hmm. which, as you say, is never going to be sustainable. It's not conducive 
to a holistic world. So what what is the solution if you're playing the us and then game? Is it to exterminate them? Right. Is that where we take it? Because what's the end all here? Or do we get grounded in compassion and see that the person is red or blue are both people with hearts and they're God in the same way I'm God? I think that's so then it's we it's not them. It's we it's not us and them. It's we. But see, maybe this all just needs to be teased out. You know, can I all... put? Can I let me let yeah. me hit you with another Ramdas moment where he said he was in India and he's with his guru, the Maharaji, and there was something happening in this town, like a little ways away. Hor- horrific tragedy: children dying in the streets, and. Rom wanted to drive his fucking Jeep into that town and just be of service and save people and help everyone and feed them and do whatever he could. And he said this to the Maharaji. And he said that the Maharaji just didn't, didn't give him any sort of validation one way or another. Mm-hmm. And that just pissed Ram Das off. And he's like going into a thing about it. And Maharaji goes to Ram. He goes, don't you see that it's all perfect? And when you apply that to what's happening right now today. Because like whatever side of the fence you feel like you fall on or whatever gut felt righteousness you you feel you you're clinging to all of this is just life doing the dance of life the protesting all of it the pain all of it like it's all just perfect the way it is but then it's like what do you do with that what do you do okay so it's all perfect so then i guess we just keep meditating we keep praying we keep being the light in our life well i think see this goes back to what i had mentioned about listening Mm, yeah let's just listen you know if we only listened and not spoke We'd all just be here. If everyone did that. Yeah. Took away speaking and only listened. Yeah. We'd all be here. Yeah. We would just hear the birds. We would just hear the wind. We would just feel the sun. Once we start speaking, the mind is involved. And if we're speaking from an unconscious place, the mind is being run by that atrocious ego and identity that you mentioned before. And that is... Dicey. I heard a monk say last night, this can be a dog-eat-dog world or we can all feed each other. It's really true. It's up to us, really, isn't it? 
So but, to us. but see, like the beauty is that like that you're experiencing on your Instagram of people reaching out to you and like me doing this little meditation group I'm doing. People want this. Yeah. People want this loving kindness because it it it's conducive to safety, like real safety, like true safety. Not safety as in get away from me, I got to be careful, blah, blah, blah. It's like an open-hearted safety mm. where people feel like, oh, okay, things are going to be okay. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but things are going to be okay. Because you're white, my last meditation session, you're white, you're Mexican, I'm white, you're black. It's all going to be okay. We're, we're here in silence and we're just breathing together. In the same way, the messages that you send out. I've seen the people that respond to you. It's every color on earth, yep. which is amazing. Everybody resonates to that frequency or they want to resonate to that frequency. Which to me is like a testament to this intangibility of God and what that vibration is and why that's so powerful in all of us. Because it's kind of, it's what we want. It's endless. Mm -hmm. It's like this this thing I've had. Like this spiritual work is so beautiful because it's timeless and priceless to me. I could do this forever. It's infinite. There's so much to gather when we're open hearted and there for each other's suffering. And it's challenging. It's challenging. Super challenging. It's the most challenging thing. They talk about it in the meeting this morning. Or was I listening to it? The most challenging thing in life is to not be in a state of judgment. Be in a state of denial. Be in a state of reactivity, defensiveness, taking it personally. It's the greatest challenge. Because every day we're confronted by people, things, situations that we go, motherfucker, I need to, I need to establish myself in this situation mm. and make my truth known. Because if I don't, fuck that person, they win. Right? Dude, it was my experience today. Right. With this person where this listening and and I believe it's pretty much born out of meditating. It's born out of meditating and then getting intimate with yourself because then you can pause. Mm -hmm. And I saw the whole thing. It was in text messages, Eb. I saw the whole thing on their end playing out. Mm. I didn't respond fast enough. It was a whole ego dance. And I really just had, I had compassion for them. I was like, oh, okay, this is what they need to say here. Mm. And my acting as opposed to reacting, I said, thank you for letting me know. Mm. I didn't apologize though. Because I think there's a really interesting line between not apologizing mm -hmm. yeah. for 
just because because I was present. I wasn't playing a game as far as I know. I wasn't playing, you know, but I thanked them for letting me know what they needed to say. And I said lots of love, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that's born out of being able to listen to each other. Yeah. Without a doubt, and I will say this, something that's really helped me. And we're over an hour here, so I'll say this thing and I'll let you respond and then we'll we'll take it out. Because I think this was like really, this was a super powerful piece here. This whole conversation. Something that has been a realization that has been absolutely transformative in my life. And this has come literally in the last couple months. I've really been living in this heartfelt space of everyone I interact with, everyone in the world is suffering. And they're living from a state of suffering. So when they speak to you and they and say, you know, it's something really challenging, something that really fucking triggers you, whatever it is, if you can go, wow, that person is really suffering. And you could see them in that. Then you can come from a place of compassion in your response. And when you're able to do that, you won't perpetuate the violence. You won't perpetuate the chaos. You won't perpetuate the trauma of the situation. And the truth of the matter is, man, everybody's in pain. Everybody's in fucking pain. Whatever you want to call it, wherever it comes from, very few people are whole, healed, clean individuals, especially in this day and age. Childhood trauma, abuse, self-inflicted resentment, anger, all kinds of shit. The suffering is immense and it's everywhere. And if you can come from a place of understanding that everyone is in a in their own personal state of suffering, you can have some compassion. Even you. You can have some compassion. And if you can lead with compassion, fuck man. Then, you know, that's when we're really getting somewhere. Well, I'll say... Back to where we started this podcast. Being present to all of it. Mm. And being available to that practice. Because to me, I'm observing that that's a practice. And it's a process. And continuing to check in. Am I present? Am I present? The weird thing comes in front of me. Am I present? The strange situation appears. Am I present? Let me get present and be open-hearted here. Mm. And that's a process. Definitely. Um, and that's an amazing uh, thing. And, um, you know, I also want to say, I don't know how I feel about the term rest in peace. But I want to say, love you to Sonny 
and I want to say we, God, we also had to put down and our my the dog that lives in my house, Matisse, mm. probably right now. So love you to Matisse as well, and just allowing these, allowing life to be the teacher mm. is. A really special place to be. It's and, heartbreaking, uh, man. Life yeah. is heartbreaking. Yeah. Life is really painful. Yeah. And I don't say that to discourage you. I say that to empower you. <sighs> yeah, I don't I wouldn't say rest in peace to Sonny because I, I believe that he is such a powerful essence that his his spirit is moving on to something even more powerful because he was here for two years, two and a half years. And he had such a profound impact on my life, our life. Yeah. Like it was profound. It was fucking, he was profound and his energy is just so, I mean, right. It's so powerful. And I know he's going on to be, if he comes back into this realm, if he decides to come back into this realm, it'll be something absolutely life, world changing. And if he doesn't, he'll be world changing. He was world changing. He was absolutely world changing. He is world changing. Yeah, exactly. He is world changing. And Matisse is the same, Matisse. Both of these little creatures, they'd climb up into my lap and it was just the most beautiful, heartwarming, loving, joyous experience. And I thank them for that. I thank you. I'm so grateful to have had them in my life Mm -hmm. while I did. And I know that they're always here. And we'll be back, I'm sure. And we'll (laughs) we'll cross paths again. Yeah. Um, Man, dude, thank you. Thank you. Great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I think that was uh, cut to the core. Cut to the core of the deal. Um, I'd like to thank my brother, Augustus Britton. You can check out his book, How to Kill a White Man. Don't let the title scare you. It's an it's an incredible work on life as a young man in the modern era, dealing with online dating technology, traveling, exploration of self, anxiety. It's an incredible memoir. Also, Gus, I have to thank you for the introduction to Tracy. Had a great conversation with him. Sweet. As I venture down the road of publishing my book, The Ebb and Flow, Basic Tools to Transform Your Life, that'll be out. My launch date, I'm setting a deadline. Launch date is June 1, 2021. Beautiful. So we're right there on the precipice, baby. A lot of fucking great shit's coming. Hey, everybody, look. Be in your power, be in your truth, stand in your highest greatness for the greatest good of the universe. Every day I say to myself, I choose to step into my highest greatness for the greatest good of the universe. Before you go into a meeting, before you venture out into your day, say that, set that intention in your mind, in your life, and let the universe take care of the rest. Because you are necessary, you are needed here. 
and your your energy is vitally important to the ecosystem of this thing that we are all moving through together. Yeah. So that being said, and I would say namaste. Namaste. Which to me is the light in me honors the light in you. Love that. Thank you, Ev. Thank you, Gus. All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, the greatest way you can support me in this show, subscribe it, review it uh, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to this thing. Um, I greatly appreciate that. Share it with your friends and family. If something really resonated with you and you think it would help someone you know, share it with them. It's a great way to support this podcast. Also, I've started a Patreon account. Everything, all the how-to stuff, everything you guys are interested in, the guided meditations, movement practices, uh, nutritional stuff, coffee recipes, um, basically all the deep diving applicable life tools, the basic tools to transform your life. You can find more of that content on my Patreon account. That is patreon.com forward slash EDS Britain. That'll be in the show notes. Check it out. If you're interested, you can also just support for a small contribution every month. That goes far and wide, believe me, because that that supports everything I'm doing, and I greatly appreciate that, and I'd love to have you on the journey. And even if you can't, I'm, I'm glad you're here too. Just supporting the podcast is a big deal to me. So thank you guys so much. Have an excellent rest of your day. Lots of love to y'all. Peace.